0: the Minds, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm joined today by Leslie. Hello. And Greg. Hey there. And we will be talking about Rising Sun. But first, let's talk about what we've been playing.
1: Yeah, so uh, I was out of town this past weekend, past at time of recording, and I was hanging out with my parents, who absolutely love Fantasy Realms. Yeah. I had brought it with me the last time uh, I was home for Christmas, and literally the day I left, they, on their way home from dropping me off at the airport, stopped in at our friendly local game store, Fat Ogre, shout out to Fat Ogre in the Woodlands, Texas, and picked up their own copy of Fantasy Realms, which they brought on the trip. So that was super fun, we got to play several rounds. I think one of the reasons we as a family love that game so much is because it is so quick especially when there's only three of us. We got through literally three games while we were sitting at the airport waiting for our flights to leave Charlotte. So yeah. uh, mm. it's just really easy to play. It's fun. You know, you feel like you're sort of putting together the pieces of this uh, this strategy. And maybe it doesn't come together, but you're always excited about the possibility of trying again. So uh, that was super fun to play. Good to get to table since i can't seem to find my copy so uh you know it was good that they they had they were there for backup
0: yeah exactly i think that both of us have actually like pretty much lost our copies at some point
1: which so, is such a shame
0: yeah we haven't played it in a while i've been i've been looking for it probably somewhere in my apartment but you know it's those kinds of things that like i'll find it when
1: i move out or something no yeah.
2: you'll find it when you've finally bought a new copy <laughs>
1: yeah no that's <laughs> there a, yeah you're right that's exactly you'll give up and then there it will be yeah yep.
2: that's how life works for me
1: yeah pretty much
2: all right so i it's been a little bit since i've been here so uh as shocker i've been playing some spirit islands yay <laughs> uh got to teach a few new people how to play which was pretty cool and as is normal at least one of them has expressed interest in purchasing the game oh of course so yep creating games you are welcome yeah
1: we're mm-hmm. basically evangelists at this point <laughs> it's true <laughs> uh, game evangelists
2: spirit island evangelists Yes, yes. yes specifically
3: yeah yeah
2: um sorry listeners are you gonna get tired of hearing about spirit island no because you're gonna play it and you're gonna love it anyway um <laughs> also played sidereal confluence um mm-hmm. which is funny because jacob mentioned that last time i was here mm-hmm. we had planned, actually had specifically planned a day to go play with our friends. And we had to reschedule because I, something came up now. I can't remember. Oh, Hunter had the flu. That's what it was. Ah. Yeah. yeah that Illness. Was... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that happens. Yeah. We didn't want to give their, you know, five-year-old the flu. Um, that would have changed. never gone away. So we went up to Maryland and a friend of ours came with us and uh, Scooter, who you guys met at Washington. Oh,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm
2: and uh played that it was pretty great we had a good time i think scooter won and we played different factions i played the elder faction that's like been in the universe uh, oh yeah those uh, guys yes and yes i will give you a cube but you have to take this token with it and then Mm -hmm. i get victory points for that later so that was entertaining uh it's a lot of conversing in that game oh and we also played Estrella drive for time stories. Nice. So of course I cannot talk about it.
0: Yeah. Right. That spoiler was spoilers. spoilers. <laughs>
2: right. What I can, I think, safely tell you is it was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um it's not porn. I was a <laughs> yeah. little worried because of the sticker that says mature audiences only. And that the like mm, reel uh-huh. of tape that maybe that meant porn. It yep. did not mean porn. It good meant lots of drugs.
3: <laughs> okay, so All right. All right.
2: yeah, make sure to have your copy of the Beatles' White Album handy. That's my best advice to you.
0: Ooh, Ooh good to know. Next yeah. next time we play, well,
2: yeah.
1: three times from yeah. now, we're way behind. I, I think it's only two to... now. All oh, right, because we finished the Antarctic yeah. expedition. Yeah, we finished the Antarctic ends. one. So yeah.
0: We only have like one other one between us and Lumin
2: L- Luminvide. Yes, yeah, that's, that's the one. where shit gets real, in my personal opinion.
3: Ooh, all, all right. right. So get I, there. Yeah. And I'm looking then forward to that. We'll talk.
2: Yep. And then Astrella drive went actually relatively quickly, as far it was more on the. Um, it was a little longer than Expedition Endurance took us. Okay. But we went through that one real fast.
0: Yeah, we. T- I think we also did go through that real fast, but the thing is that we split it over two different days. Ah, yeah. so and those days were weeks apart. So yeah, uh, it was more of a. Yeah, if you actually look at the gameplay, it didn't take us too long. But
3: well, and it it, <laughs> it
1: depends turns- on how you're measuring time. If you're measuring it in terms of hours, it was relatively fast. If you're yeah. measuring it in terms of how many playthroughs, it was as always three we are remarkably consistent it's always i don't think there's no
0: there wasn't a single one yet no
1: there's not a single story yet that we have finished in fewer or more than three attempts yep Mm. so yeah i think that
0: there may have been one cheaty one where we like did something stupid at the very beginning where we're just like no no that doesn't count and Mm -hmm. just like after two turns we're like nope it restarting, did
2: feel pretty handicapped because you have to start with only 20 time units.
3: Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah, and
2: that was a little stressful. Mm-hmm. I actually don't remember how many runs it took us, yeah, but I cannot explain that to you why yeah. it would right, ma- yeah. because, yeah, because reasons, yeah, reasons, <laughs> things, stuff happens,
0: stuff happens in that. Th- other things in it's the not game porn. actually happen to me. It's not, yeah. it's <laughs> not porn. Again, re-
1: important to restate. It's There's not a porn. A
2: mostly kind of scantily clad, na- maybe naked woman on a towel, but like, it's not porn. So. All right.
1: Good to no. know. You heard it here.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> first, first Dragon's Demise. Yeah. Time yep. Story's not porn.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get, that on a, get that on a sticker or something.
1: I think we might uh, get sued. <laughs> <laughs> That's. All right. Let's not do that. No. And
0: so. I've also... Uh, actually, this is a game that uh, you would have seen on stream if you follow us on there. Uh, we played Near and Far on stream yeah. last week. And, drumroll please... Yes. I actually won! Yay! Hey. So, pretty much, <laughs> probably heard me complain about this in the past because I won the first game, and then we have two maps left, and between that first game and the current map... William has won every single other game.
1: Yep.
2: That sounds a lot like their, our game too. We actually have not got back to it for that reason. Yeah,
0: but I w- managed to win 108 points to 76, being the next highest.
1: Pretty commanding.
0: So I managed to make up quite a bit of ground the last game, and so that that was that was fun. I didn't. I don't think anyone was expecting the score to be that crazy out of control, mm. but it just. Like I just managed to have the relics that I needed in the right combination of all the different things to, to get myself into that kind of a position. So, uh, it was good. And we played with the Amber Minds expansion. Yeah. That was going to be my question, actually.
1: Have you found, and I don't want to spoil our review Mm -hmm. at all because it's coming, but have you found that Amber Minds pretty significantly changes sort of the balance of gameplay or is it still basically the same just with some new stuff? No, I think it does change it quite a bit. I can't really. So
0: we, we use all of the parts of Amber Mines, pretty much. We uh, you can you can put it in in modules however you like, whichever parts you want. But I think that uh, one of the biggest things that has um, really helped me in general, because this, it, our our listeners know that when I roll dice, I roll the lowest possible or the highest possible, depending on what is what is worst for me. So they added special dice in the expansion, which go from two to six, with the one being a reroll and the two you can pay to reroll. So that in general helped me a lot because of the fact that I was no longer failing everything. And then there was also like the magic stuff, which was really cool because like you you have these spells that you can use and. I mm. I specced into that type of thing with like some food and like uh, being able to uh, or getting even more benefits for going to the Mystics Hut uh, which has really helped me in the long run as well. Nice. And the mines themselves are also interesting because it's, it's just some, another place that you can put your camps down that mm. gives you a lot more benefits than just the original mines mm. because you're actually like doing a little bit of exploring and yeah, so that's that's also I think helped quite a bit.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward. I'm a little bit sad that I dropped out of that campaign, actually. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm sure at some point we'll play either an arcade mode game or we'll play a character mode run or something. Yeah. You know?
2: I really want to play through the characters. Yeah. yeah, I really, really do. Because you know, eh, we'll talk about it when yeah. we review the game. I um, have feelings. Also,
0: uh, something that I don't know if either of you have heard about. but Go on. So there was a post from Red Raven on Facebook yesterday. About a near and far RPG. What? Okay, that's I mean, actually pretty cool. I did hear cool.
2: something about
0: going into playtesting and they wanted blind playtesters. So of course, I emailed them. Oh yeah. So we'll see if if we get any in on that. But I would love to play an RPG in the world of near and far. Well, so now this is this is
1: actually really interesting to me because it sort of gets back to some of that conjecture that we've always had about okay, near and far is definitely in the same world as above and below mm-hmm. and bound. Is it yeah exactly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it also in the same world as Islebound in, as City of Iron? Like he reuses Ryan Lacott mm-hmm. reuses a lot of the same uh, like archetypal characters. Like you've got lizardfolk and you've got pigmen and yeah. things.
2: There's also in Empires of the Void. I'm right. convinced that's also part of the right. same. Right. So
1: there's this this like Ryan Lacott metaverse theory like expanded brain meme going on. <laughs> ryan lockett metaverse crazy like wow out there redditor theory uh <laughs> and i want to see how much they integrate into this rpg
0: yeah uh, I, so I think I'm it's like, going to be it's going to be near and far so it's going to definitely be based mo- more on the fantasy aspect i think than than the empires of the void stuff but yeah i'd be really interested to see if like the city of iron like is, is in think... the lore
2: yeah that's cool i don't think the MP- R- rpg needs to be like yeah. talking about Empires of the Void but I'm still going to believe that yeah. those right. are the same lizard people that they're you know descended or ascended from one another right yeah. canon, absolutely that, yeah. Yeah. yeah yes that it's it's for real yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, that that'll be really fun I'd, I'd I'm really looking forward to having the chance uh, to take a look at that. Hopefully I'll get in on the playtest and won't be able to talk about it for a while. But uh, after we're allowed to talk about it, I will definitely be talking about it. Nice, (laughs) nice.
1: Well, there you go. That is a look at what we have been playing and what we hope to be playing in the near future.
2: Cherry blossoms fall. Strength and honor shape the land. The sun is rising.
1: Damn it, that's a haiku. Is it? Yeah. Come on, guys. Stop reading the wall. It's time to look at the really cool exhibits.
2: Oh, <gasps> there's a
3: dragon, guys. Look at the river dragon.
1: That is pretty amazing. I like ah. this Komaino over here. I think that's that's a friendly boy. Hey right, guys, <laughs> guys, look we look at all these Oni. We've got the Oni of skulls, we've got the Oni of blood, the Oni of Souls, the Oni of Spite. Oh,
0: there's another one of blood. And yeah, they come in pairs. Oh, yeah. yeah there they are.
2: <laughs> Welcome to the world of Rising Sun. Rising Sun is a game for a three to five, six or more if you have expansions, players, that can be played in an optimistic 90 to 120 minutes, but not in any of our memories. Yeah, Has no, that ever happened? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not.
0: The game is played over three seasons, and each season is started with a tea ceremony. During that tea ceremony is where one of the fundamental things about the game starts, which is the fact that you start with alliances. So you start talking to your other players and getting these alliances, and they last for the entire season. And for the most part, they add benefits to both players. So uh, it's a really cool mechanic that is... I think maybe not totally unique but it's 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 pretty unique in in my experience.
1: Well, I'm pretty great too, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm.
2: After that, you go into the political mandates um and the your alliances with the other players can uh, affect how your mandates go. So, you draw a little tile. I think that they like plastic tiles come with the Kickstarter expansion otherwise they're just like a yeah, they're like, like mm-hmm. a cardboard piece but they're very cool mm-hmm. and you, you draw three, and you have to choose from one of the ones that you've drawn unless you are playing with a special clan with a special ability to do whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> your options include recruit. The recruit option gives all players the ability to summon one figure to each of their strongholds, and you and your ally can summon an additional figure. Marshal allows all players to move each of their figures across one border shipping route and then you and your ally might may also build a stronghold for some money you can train The training allows all players to buy one available season card. The season cards do have a cost and they have fun abilities that Mm -hmm. can uh, get you cool monsters like river dragons and Oni of Skulls and a bunch of fun things that allow you to have giant pieces on the board, which is very exciting. Um, And also other cards that allow you to have end game scoring points that are Usually, how I win. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you and your ally, if you choose this option, will pay one less coin. Um, harvest all c- players collect a coin, and you and your ally collect rewards from each province where you have superior force at that moment in time. And the other option is betray. So don't be- don betray. <laughs> only affects you and the person you're betraying really uh it allows you to replace any two figures from different players on the map with one of your own so if you break your alliance you lose honor Mm -hmm. you should not betray people
1: that's not a very nice thing to do
2: it's not it's not Mm -hmm. i've been betrayed before i'm
3: salty
0: (laughs) (laughs) so that is the political phase after that comes the commie And these only happen uh, after three rounds and then once again after another two, I believe, and once more at the end. And every game you choose four out of the seven kami. And each of these are pretty much gods that will give you some kind of a blessing. If you are the one who worships them the most. And you do that by, by dedicating some of your units to the god. So you have your Shinto priests, which you can summon using the recruit action and instead of putting them on the actual board you can put them on the commies the tiles and if you have more than anyone else you get the benefit of that god and the benefits can range from anything from just coins to extra movement, being able to get extra victory points and they're all quite powerful and can be very useful depending on your strategy
1: right and some of these bonuses are particularly useful as you go into the final sort of important phase in any given turn which is the war phase so you've used your politics and your alliances to maneuver strategically around the map and then during the war phase combat will occur in specific provinces in a specific order Uh, The order is known ahead of time by all players at the beginning of the round, and not all provinces will have combat. So everything, every move that you make is with full knowledge about what combats are going to happen and when and where. But the process of uh, a war phase is that each province is selected in turn and all players who have power there, units, whether those are your monsters or figures, uh, whether, you know, your daimyo, your bushi, your own human figures, each of those players will put up their screens, behind which is a little board that says war advantages. And the war advantages are things that you can bid on, which then give you specific bonuses if you win that bid. So there's four of these. They're seppuku, take hostage, hire ronin, and imperial poets. And each of these has Uh, A very specific benefit that it allows you to do, whether that is taking one of your opponent's units hostage in an effort to shift the tide of battle in your favor, um, spending money to hire your ronin, your mercenaries, in order to, again, shift the tide of battle in your favor, or uh, seppuku and imperial poets are interesting because they don't necessarily change the battle itself, but they sort of shift how your points are going to be scored. So depending on who wins each bid, you may have a situation where the player who technically loses more units actually comes out on top in terms of total victory point gain or honor gain. So after your bids have been locked in, players will simultaneously reveal their boards, each player in sequence going from seppuku, hostage, ronin, and then the battle uh, will resolve their war advantages that they've won, and then combat will take place. Combat is just a straight power versus power. Some monsters will be more than one unit of power, but for the most part it's just figure to figure. Whoever has more strength and played their advantages better is going to come out on top, they're going to win the province, and they're going to take a little province token, which is worth points on its own, and also worth additional points uh, at the end of the game based on some, uh, some set bonuses. So once combat has been resolved in each of the provinces that are experiencing combat that round, you move towards the end of the season where you clean up, reset, all that sort of thing, and it's rinse repeat. You start over with a tea ceremony. The game takes place over the course of 3 seasons, spring, summer, and autumn, and then at the end of autumn there is an additional winter phase where you score. It's it's not really a phase. It's just scoring phase. Um you, it's
2: winter though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and during winter you add up all of the points that you have accumulated over the course of the game, so doing things like uh, successful Imperial Poets bids or things that you've done over the course of the game which have been tracked, and you add your end game bonuses, which can include special winter upgrade cards, which are purchased using that train action that Leslie mentioned earlier, using uh, the tokens that you've acquired for winning combat in certain provinces, and then again, using set bonuses that are earned for winning combats in a majority of different provinces. So you really want to be moving around the map because those are some pretty big swingy point values. And then once all that's factored in, you end up with your final score and that's all she wrote. Yeah,
0: I really like a lot of things in this game. I think one of the parts that we touched on a little bit, but I feel really adds to the game is the honor uh and just how that works in terms of you know you have certain actions that can lower your honor or put your honor up and that's not like a set number it's just what position you are in relative to other players Mm -hmm. and that also uh helps with uh at the beginning of the game is player order but then after that it's all of the uh tie breaks go in that way and then there are also other effects and things like that that can either be done when you have the most honor or more honor than your opponent or less honor than your opponent, which are parts of the clans themselves. And these are also really cool. Each clan you have in the base game, you have five clans. And then with the expansions, you add another up to another three clans. And each of them has a unique ability. And these can go from anything like, Gossamer wings, which means that any province is adjacent to the one that you're in, or, you know, the Fox clan has a wily presence where they get to just place someone if they don't have any force in in that province, they can just go ahead and, and put someone in there. And these are all extremely powerful and extremely cool, just how they all work and how unique they are.
2: And just as a note, the Fox Clan was a Kickstarter special. Mm -hmm. So if you get the box and it's not there, that's why. Yes, (laughs) Don't panic.
1: (laughs) Everything's fine. But yeah, I think the the different bonuses in the clans are a really interesting factor of the game. You know, you've sort of got that variable player power, but each of them are very, very powerful and very unique, which is something that you don't always see a lot. Sometimes it's, you know, very guarded, like, oh, we'll give you one special ability out of maybe six. In this, each clan has one ability that pretty much dramatically alters some fundamental tenet of gameplay, and so the the balance is a little bit tough, but I think for the most part, they pull it off.
2: Yeah. And speaking of unique things, the alliances with the, another player, I think, is a sort of a very mm-hmm. unique aspect of this game. Um, you get a little half of a yin-yang and you put your little... and they... Put theirs with yours at the top of the board so everybody can see whose alliances are you, who who you're allied with. It's and
1: really fancy. You
2: can, it is really fancy. And you could go make secret plans with your ally and make, and then sometimes they betray you. <laughs> uh, um, and there, well, there's also a lot of advantages for... Alliances in the little seasonal cards, the um, the yeah. train cards, yeah. so that you like, you get benefits if you've had an, al- an ally for multiple seasons. If, for every season you've had an ally and stuff like that, so that can really, really pay off at the end of the game if you've managed to maintain alliances in every season. It's definitely towards the RPG level because you're mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. we've had people like leave the room and have like <laughs> extensive discussions about <laughs> their, their actions and what, where they were gonna say, well, okay, you want this area, I'll take this area and we're gonna yeah. knock Hunter out of this area because he always has the most points. Yeah, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, things like that. It's I really like the system with, with the alliances and just the fact that you get such a benefit for allying, and like you know with each of the the actions in the political phase like you and your ally get like yeah. such a big benefit and yeah exactly um it makes these very very non-trivial so it's like there's some competition and uh the cool thing is that you can like
1: offer things for right. alliances
2: question mm-hmm. have either of you ever betrayed used the betray action
1: no Maybe <laughs> once I won. No, probably not. I think the I honest think, answer I is think no. that, so I, think I would it's, have won yeah, that bet. Then. It's just yeah. out of our. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I have also not ever. Used it's out of our yeah, correct. <laughs> but right. I
1: think yeah. the the possibility.
0: <laughs> well, we would have. We I think we may have used a betray action during the time when we had no allies.
3: Oh. Because oh, you can yeah. still use the action. I think That's that actually true. might be when I did it. Is yeah. because
1: you, the the ability mm-hmm. to place yeah tokens on the to sort of replace your opponent's figures with your own, that, yeah, I may have actually done Right, because if you mm-hmm. play with
2: an odd number of people, yeah. you will always have somebody, the odd man out. Right. Yeah.
1: Right, that's a fair mm-hmm. point. The
2: first time we played it, we had four people, and we all allied with each other at different points of the game, <laughs> and then I got betrayed in the end.
1: The worst. The yeah. worst. But I think one of the things that sort of all of this really points to you know whether it's alliances and sort of the outsized impact of them or the the really powerful unique benefits is that the game feels actually very satisfying to me in terms of your power level like it's not masses upon masses of guys like you don't have armies formed out of like 20 or 25 things like these aren't abstract values that you're dealing with you've got one guy and that one guy has a very profound impact on the game and it just feels really satisfying to move someone around the field and know that you had a five point a 10 point bump just from that one singular action.
2: You know what I think is satisfying is the strongholds that are on the backs of turtles that live across the board.
3: (laughs) They're so good.
1: That was the first clan that I played, and I think they're probably still my favorite. (laughs) They're
2: definitely the cutest.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got strongholds on the back of turtles. Yeah. And speaking of strongholds on the backs of turtles, these are actual plastic sculpted miniatures. Mm -hmm. uh, And we cannot talk about miniatures without talking about hunter and his gotta catch them all quest <laughs> <laughs> to paint all the miniatures so uh you hunter hunter is here with us i should say that i'm yeah. not talking to a boy he's <laughs>
3: <Whoa.
1: laughs> a ghost actually no so you you painted all the miniatures yep. including the kickstarter expansion yep and you loved it, as I recall, because you had the art book. I did. So how... He
2: still even has the art book, as a matter of fact. Oh well, yeah, it didn't
1: just, <laughs> yeah. it didn't just disappear. It how, yep. So what was that like? Did you transfer the patterns straight one-to-one, or did you take some creative about. license?
4: Okay. Uh, no. I mean, honestly, there was no reason to take creative license because, I mean, if you just look at the art of this game... And a lot of it you can get without the art book, but I found the art book very easy because I could have, had like a full page drawing basically of every single one of the miniatures. And so you can see a lot of little details that I never would have even thought to paint. Like, and usually I'm not the most patient painter, but I still try (laughs) to like capture the details. So these miniatures took me a really long time because I was trying to get everything to be like the pictures here. Like some patterns don't really show up well on a little miniature. Like, if you look at the Quake clan, they have some little details that are really very subtle and color mm-hmm. tone mm-hmm. difference, so I didn't really bother with those. But then some of the details I never would have done, like one of the Oni has polka dot pants, and I never would have <laughs> thought to paint that, but uh, the Oni of Blood has polka dot pants. Ah. Uh, and yep. I never would have thought to do that with an Oni, but like, then when you think about... And again, this game is probably not the best as far as not cultural appropriation. But as far as the, like, clothing and stuff in the art, I'd say, you know, if, from what I know from Japanese history, it's very representative mm-hmm. because they used a lot of pastels and they used a lot of uh, patterns. They didn't have a lot of plain clothes for the most part. So there's a guy here that, you know, has an undergarment, like, that's orange with yellow tips and then has white pants on and then is wearing a pink kimono and red and black armor. And I never would have thought to put all those colors right. together. And at first, that was difficult to do because I was like, well, now it's kind of hard to see whose faction this is. But in this game, you have to paint the bases Right, well, and the all, the, all the sculpts
1: are totally unique. Like It's not just this is one figure that represents a daimyo for every single faction. Yeah. Every faction has their unique, like, this is what your buchi look like, and this is what your shinto look like. So I think that helps.
4: Yeah, and with a lot of the Simons games, it's definitely, I think, easier to actually see things on the board once everything's painted. Some of their games, I don't even know how you would play them not painted like, not just from my, <laughs> looks my, my, picky, <laughs> my picky, like, um, I, I just can't tolerate it because it makes me cringe, but also... I just think visually it's easier to pick up what's happening with the colors on the miniatures. So and mm-hmm. as these guys know, I have games I don't play until I paint every miniature in the game. Like, I have now painted about 150 miniatures for another Seamon game that I've yet to play, but I've heard it's actually really good. So, Discipline. Nice. Hopefully I'll get these guys to play it and then we'll <laughs> have them review it. It's yeah. always
2: like... How do I make this color? (laughs) He shows me the picture and then we pick out the paint. Yeah, (laughs) nice.
4: I would just say that as far as their Kickstarters, especially if you're a painting enthusiast, there's really no reason not to back their Kickstarters because you get so many Kickstarter exclusives. They give you a really good deal on just like extra miniatures. Even if you don't buy extras, just the extra Kickstarter exclusives make it such a good deal and then I am kind of a convert now I think I will never not buy an art book if they have one available for a game because it made it so much fun to paint them and get some cool details
2: we are not sponsored by CMON by the way (laughs) yeah after that resounding endorsement we just really like their stuff yes yes, for sure Um, Um, but yeah uh, Hunter likes to paint the games I've just talked him into painting the My Little Scythe figures for my niece for her Christmas present
0: yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, so the, I think the painted miniatures really add to the game. We played at Origins uh, with all of the, like, f- or most of the fully painted miniatures and everything. And,
2: like, how many people stopped by and were like,
0: wow. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah.
3: What yes. are you guys
2: doing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it was an attraction in and of itself. Like, exactly.
3: Exactly. Super nice.
2: It may have. Accosted Eric Lang with my phone at Gen Con to be like, "Look at the miniatures my husband painted. These are from your game." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just very nice. Now
4: you
3: I know. can't wait You're to the
4: two-foot Cthulhu miniature. Oh nice. my,
0: yep, that crazy thing.
2: It's huge, monstrous,
1: yeah.
3: as can, it were. <laughs>
2: yeah, in fact, I took a picture with it.
1: Nice, nice. Uh, but for all that, for all the amazing miniatures and even all the amazing art book and gameplay stuff, no game is perfect. What? We always say, yeah. uh, and there are, th- I think there are definitely a few identifiable mm-hmm. issues with Rising Sun. First yes. and foremost being the playtime. <laughs> <laughs> we alluded to it uh, at the top. It ninety to twenty, ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes. It is not. Yeah, um, no. That's <laughs> like easily two to three hours. Like two hours, hours. hours being generous. Yeah. Which is just, it's a lot, you know, yeah. and and some people can say, oh, that's fine. Like they'll take a weekend and they'll sit down and or take an afternoon or whatever and they'll bang it out. But, you know, sometimes all people, Jacob and I, yeah. sometimes all we have is one evening on a weekday and we absolutely cannot get rising sun to table under those circumstances. So, you know, it is a bit of a shame that you have this very restrictive long form game especially i think for something that is relatively it feels relatively fast paced in terms of the turns themselves mm-hmm. there's just a lot going on
3: mm-hmm.
0: for sure and then one of the other issues is one that i'm intimately familiar with and that's the uh the spread of the points True, um, yeah true that can be a little bit a little bit too much in in terms of like so, uh, someone a lot of times just goes really far ahead and And there's usually at least one person who gets stuck down in like a single or low low double digits. And.
1: The punching bag.
0: Yeah, pretty much. It it happens. And like the last time I played, that was me. Um, (laughs) But luckily, it doesn't make the game not enjoyable because like there's a lot of stuff that happens like at the end of the game that gives you points and that kind of stuff. And uh, even though you might not be in contention for the uh the first place like you might be surprised like there are certain things that you can do or that other people can do that like can bring some scores down and change the dynamics and that kind of thing but it still ends up being very much a you know there might be one or two people like going really really far ahead and it's between the two of them whereas the rest of the of the group is just either in the middle or low points and it can be a little bit frustrating in that way
2: yeah yeah if you get a lot of those cards it can and that synergize well you can really i mean i i joked about it earlier that that's usually the way i win but like i was not at all winning that one time we played at origins and then Mm -hmm. i was two points away from the the lead at the end and then that player had been in the lead the whole game and suddenly he was like wait a second where did you come from um i mean i like i like that tactic in games to be fair
0: you didn't draw any aggro during the game no Mm -hmm. no, keep your head down very
2: quiet very shark Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah um so i guess the next would definitely be the potential to overthink
3: yeah yeah
2: which probably is why the game for us has lasted so long and like all Mm -hmm. of the discussions with the ally but there's definitely if you are um tend to lend yourself to analysis paralysis this could invite that for you Mm -hmm. Uh, so something to consider there
0: yeah Yeah, in terms of that there's just there's so
1: much going on you have to know
0: so many cards yeah yeah you yeah. could
1: i mean honestly a good chunk of each game is probably just whenever somebody buys something every person around the table has to say hey can i read that please and then <laughs> spends you know not a long time but 30 seconds here and there adds up when you're reading dozens of cards every right. turn. so yeah uh, yeah it's it's a lot
2: on pl- second and third playthroughs i've definitely mm-hmm. been like oh that card i had that one time i need to get that but if mm-hmm. the other people i'm playing with don't know that that exists that yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah and then that that actually perfectly leads into like another part of this which is that if people don't know that these combinations exist or can't like see you know mm-hmm. how your power would work or your clan's power would work very well with this one card mm-hmm. and prevent you from getting it you can get some really overpowered combinations. Yeah uh, like,
1: there's a learning curve for sure.
0: Yeah so it, it like it all leads up to this there there is a lot to this game. And that is both a benefit and a detriment to it.
2: Yeah. It's sort of the Seven Wonders problem where, like, every—as you go through the cards, get more and more powerful, and then you yeah. can combo them. Yeah. So if you don't know to look for them and somebody else does, it can definitely—
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very apt. Yeah. hmm Overall, though, I think I still have good things to say about it. I think on the balance, I've said good things about it. I think the final review for me is a play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a fun game. But it's also a big, expensive, long game, which sort of makes me take a step back from saying that it's something that I want to buy. So it's definitely a play it from me. A uh, lot going for it. F- gorgeous game. Really compelling uh, mechanics, I think. So it definitely does some unique things with the territory control and uh, dudes on a map type gameplay. Um, but just not not a buy it in my mind.
2: Yeah, I'm also a play it. Granted, you know Hunter bought this game, so and it's kind of a moot point for me. But I, I mean, this isn't the theme. Is this game is extremely strong, which is totally my jam. But the gameplay overall gameplay and area control is not as much what I'm looking for typically in a game. So I would say definitely play it. Paint your miniatures. And enjoy, you know, if you do buy it, paint your miniatures um, because that definitely makes the gameplay more enjoyable for you and for everyone else.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to uh, disagree with the pack a little bit. A little. Uh, <laughs> by one rating. I'm going <laughs> it's to say a
3: full
0: 33%. Yeah, you know. I'm going to say it's a buy it for me because honestly, I, I love the theme, first of all. I do love Japanese culture and like the art and all that behind it and uh, so that is, is a big plus in, on my, uh, my side. And then all of the sculpts and like, the miniatures and everything about this game is absolutely gorgeous. The gameplay is a lot of fun. When I first picked it up, I wasn't sure exactly how much I was gonna like it, but when I started playing it, I think that the, the balance between the, the like, area control mechanics, it's, it's not like almost any other real like, cool mini or not game for the most part. And so, like you know, the ones that I've played, like Zombicide or, or Massive Darkness, and those, um, they have a completely different focus. And this one is like has the alliance mechanic, which is just really, really interesting. I would say that if you're not sure, definitely give it a play. If it's like, if, if you if you don't have a lot of time to play games most of the time, and you don't really, you're not really sure whether or not this would be a good investment, check it out first. But if the theme or like area control is the kind of thing that you actually really enjoy,
4: I would definitely say buy it. Um, I'm also going to say buy it. Yeah, yes. you, yeah. Nobody, <laughs> because this game has the best sculpts, probably of any game I've played, but yeah. it was maybe the second most fun I've had painting miniatures for a mm-hmm. game. They? The yeah. first most fun will be that other game that we haven't played yet. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, no, I think that honestly, the sculpts are, big. if you're a
0: miniatures painter, This is a buy it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I would agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So there you have it. Those are our reviews. As always, we're going to provide a little bit of additional context uh, by giving you some games that we think are similar to Rising Sun. If you like them, you'll probably like this, uh, and vice versa. So... Leslie, I know you had strong feelings about well, one in particular. Well, I mean,
2: Blood Rage is kind of a no-brainer for me. It's also Eric Lang. It's also area control. It's also miniatures. Um, Lots of similarities. Yeah, a lot yeah, of you know, there. The theme is Vikings, which is a little bit closer to my heart than... Um, there's nothing wrong with Japanese culture, but I'm part Norwegian, so uh, <laughs> despite being only five foot two. Uh, fun size. Uh, right. Fun size Viking. There you go, exactly. <laughs> um, so Blood Rage is, if you like Rising Sun, you, you should probably play Blood It doesn't have the uh, allies and stuff like that, but um, there's other aspects to it, and uh, it can be a lot of fun.
1: Mm-hmm. There you go.
0: And another one is uh, Inish. And this is definitely, especially in terms of the uh, area control, Inish has a very similar kind of thing where it's like you have to control a certain amount of land and you get points for that. Uh, it's much more of a first past the post rather than a point at the end of the game kind of thing. But you can still like fly into the radar and that kind of stuff. And then I think one of the really cool things is that both Rising Sun and Inish both have really different kinds of action selection and combat mechanics yeah which uh, if they may not be very similar to each other but if you like something that has a bit of more of a unique um, way of playing and a unique uh, way of like doing the combat you would probably like both inish and rising sun
1: well there you go everybody that's our review of rising sun Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this episode of Dragon's Demise. Uh, and thank you, Hunter, for your uh, inimitable. Uh, nice word. <laughs> yeah, it's a great word. Perspective on uh, miniatures painting. Obviously, you are the most experienced of us, so we greatly appreciate that feedback. This is Thanksgiving week if you live in the States, so we apologize in advance that we won't have any streams for you on either Wednesday or Friday. We hope that you enjoy your turkey day uh, with your family or found family, as the case may be. Uh, And thank you for being part of our Dragon's Demise family.
2: Yay! Yep,
1: thank you. Speaking of family members and what they do to each other sometimes, we're launching a Patreon.
2: (laughs) You mean ask for money? Everybody's got that uncle, right?
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, so we're launching a Patreon. It is live right now. If you like what we do please consider supporting us. We have a bunch of different levels for backers. You can, uh, you know, everything as little as $1. Every little bit counts. We're hugely appreciative. I like to think that we've got some pretty great rewards on there. There's some uh, votes on the type of content that we produce for the podcast. There's additional special material that you can access on a monthly basis. So should be a lot of great stuff, including for high-level backers. We will give you a shout-out at the end of our podcasts, including first one yep. uh, is a shout out to our friend Adam Krasberg, uh from Twitch, AKA Steve. He has been a longtime supporter and we really, really appreciate his feedback, both yeah. technical. Uh, I know mm-hmm. he's been, he's troubleshot our audio more times than I care to admit, Yep, <laughs> uh, but also uh, just for being a really great, uh, really supportive and friendly guy. So Steve, yeah. here's to you, buddy. Yeah. And Thank you. Hopefully, other people consider supporting us as well so that we can give you uh, a shout out. Join us next week for another episode of Dragon's Demise.
2: And enjoy your turkey day.
1: Yes. Yes.